Hey everybody, welcome to that episode of Let's Talk Dubs, episode number 30. That's right guys, I can't believe it's episode number 30 already, but before we know it, we'll be up to episode 100 at the pace that we're going. Appreciate all the support on the podcast, I uh, can't express to you guys how much gratitude I have for my VW people, man. Uh, we've got to be the greatest people in the hobby because we just keep on giving back. So, uh, wanted to let everybody know, so far, some Let's Talk Dubs stats. Let's Talk Dubs is heard in 62 countries. We have been downloaded at the time you'll hear this over 17,000 times, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a lot. And we ranked an automotive podcast on Apple Podcasts. We peaked at number 13. When I checked our ranking the other day, we were number 28 in automotive podcasts. So I attribute that to all our listeners out there downloading, sharing it with their friends and doing all that stuff. So let's keep building the podcast. Let's keep getting it out there. Share it with all your friends. Go down to the bottom of this podcast. There's three little dots on the bottom. Click that button. It'll say share. Hit that share button and then do one of those super annoying group texts to all your friends and say, Bill T said, you must listen to the podcast. Get a life and listen to the podcast. So, hey, for all the fans of the podcast out there, man, much love coming back to you guys for your support in the scene. So uh, I totally dig it. On today's episode, we've got Chris Valone out of Congress, New York, has a company called Classic VW Bugs. And I wanted to start getting some East Coast people on here because it seems that we've neglected our East Coast brethren a little bit. And I want to make sure we get some East Coast representation. And soon enough, we'll be crossing the pond and going uh, going around the world and getting some people from the UK on the podcast. So uh, take a listen to today. And don't forget, go on to Apple Podcasts, go to the bottom, click write a review. Write a review, give us a five-star review, and also Give us some feedback. Tell us what you like and what you love about the podcast. Also, you can go on letstalkdubs.com. There's a voice message thing on our contact page. Click that button. Leave us a voice message. Give us some feedback on the on the podcast, and we'll make sure we'll grab those sound bites, and you might get selected to hear your voice on the Let's Talk Dubs podcast. As all my fans out there know and all the listeners know that we definitely – pump up our listeners. Anybody that's listening, we give them a shout out on the podcast. So stay tuned till after this podcast and you'll get to hear some pretty exciting news of who I have coming up on the podcast. So you guys have been seeing it in the news and your boy Bill T got it. <laughs> so check after this podcast to see what's coming up on the next podcast. But now from Congress, New York, classic VW Bugs. Hey everybody! On today's podcast, uh, I'm with uh, I'm continuing on my East Coast tour to get a bunch of shops on the East Coast and uh, have them represent the VWC and on the right coast of the country. So on today's podcast, we're going to be hearing from Classic VW Bugs out of Congress, New York. On today's podcast, I've got Chris Jr. and Chris Sr. that are the owners and operators of this Volkswagen restoration shop that seems to be doing big things in New York. So. Chris and Chris, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks to me. Nice to be here. I first came across you guys, my brother here in 
in Vegas has a restoration shop. And as I'm scouring the internet, looking for a little bit of East Coast representation, you guys kept popping up. And then as I kind of did a little research on you guys, you guys got about 44,000 subscribers on YouTube. But I know that you guys, your videos get a ton of views. You've got some decent quality videos, a lot of how-tos and some things to this extent. And my brother said, oh yeah, I've been checking out Chris's videos for a while on some of the how-to stuff on some of the things that I do. So kudos to you guys for that, for putting some good content out there on uh, YouTube, because as we all know, it's difficult to get. But uh, as we start our podcast... We always start with your VW story and how you got into Volkswagen. So I don't know if it was senior or junior who got into VWs <laughs> and, and, and who kicked off this whole, this whole thing that brought you guys down this trail. So uh, basically, uh, I think this year in August will be 20 years since I've owned my first Volkswagen. Um, and I was a senior in college and I was going to school for fine arts. I wanted to be a uh, an artist, a cartoonist, filmmaker, director, that sort of thing. And uh, I just wanted to be the artist with a bug. So uh, one of my first cars I bought was uh, a 71 Super Beetle convertible that back in the day before, like, Internet was the way to find things, literally opening up the local newspaper and the little ads, three-line ad in the paper, uh, had a bug for sale over across the river from us. So we just hopped in the car to go take a look and... I was sold just based on eye candy. I knew nothing about them at the time. Um, I knew they had rust. People always spoke about the floor pans and things like that, but I didn't really know where to look. Uh, so I wound up buying it anyway. And um, I actually, I owned that car for a good eight years. And that was the longest I've ever had a, a Beetle. Ever since then, it's been maybe a year or two I own a Bug and then they're sold. Um, but yeah, I learned on that one. And uh I still, I, I started after college, I started writing and directing film. I was an indie filmmaker. I was like Robert Rodriguez. I was, you know, writing, shooting, directing, editing, producing. I was a one-man band sort of thing. I banged out like 10 films and, you know, we all wanted to be Spielberg. Um, so got into film festivals. I thought it was all great, but still, you know, just wasn't making any money. You know, you're a starving artist. You're, you're a needle in a haystack. So uh, all the way to my late 20s, I finally said, all right, I got to start making some cash and, um, the bug was always a hobby in the background. So while I was doing filmmaking, I was finding a bugger here or there to just mess with. And um, so one of my action films sold and went international. They dubbed it in different languages and stuff. And, but I had dues to pay to my lawyer and to my distributor. So I had to, buy to sell <laughs> one of my Beatles. So how did I do that? I honed up on eBay and learned uh, how to market on eBay. And I used my filmmaking background to showcase the Beatle. Um, even before YouTube, and I uploaded it to my website, and I had the video in the eBay auction. And the car sold, and yeah, sure, we made money. So my dad looked at me and said, you know, I, maybe we have something here. Um, so then I jumped on Craigslist and tried to find another one. Found another one locally, cleaned it up, did the, the video again, put it back on eBay, and sure enough, a bidding war, sold another one. And I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. So every month, that first year we started, which was about 12 years ago, um, we sold a good 12 to 13 in one year just out of a one-car garage in a house. So I was buying at least one or two a month and then flipping it and going that way out. Um, and then, of course, the, you start communicating with a lot of different people, and you start talking to people in the communities and going to shows, and they start telling you, oh, I know of a bug over here, I know of one over here, a friend of mine's got one, if you want to take a look, and... So then we were tipped off to one that was, again, about half hour away, and it was a 54 sitting in a guy's uh, driveway, and I never worked on something that 
that old before. And that was when we did a full restoration on body off sort of thing. And again, in the one car garage. Yeah, that's a that's and, a that, um, that's a tall order on a car that old on the East Coast. Was it was it an East Coast car? It was, yeah. Well, and you know, it did have the the typical rust and rot, but it never in an accident. Um, and who was the guy who owned that before? So he invented some sort of um, a battery or something, right? So he, he, yeah, he he worked in New Jersey. He was a, a for the state, but he had uh, invented something. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it was like he made his own tube sort of alarm in the car. It was it was a manual little science project he had in the front trunk. Huh. I remember that car and black with the red gut, and I did it all back to stock, and um, I wound up putting that up on eBay, and that's when we were getting letters from the Homeowners Association, like, you, you guys got to get the hell out of here. You <laughs> right. guys doing what you're doing. So we agreed because we had bugs all around this complex and all in different stages. So people were laughing and giggling and, and admiring the cars in the very beginning, but as time went on, they were like, yeah, you know what? You gotta Sorry, go. you, we're smelling exhaust at night. You know, it's not good. The, the neighbors so got tired I, of you borrowing their driveway. Can I put two in your driveway and one in your driveway? You, you, you got it. So I wound up selling. I put it up on eBay as a buy it now, and then boom, in two days it sold. And I didn't know who I actually sold it to. It's to uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a Green Day. Yeah, yeah, the Green, Green Day. Day. Yeah, has a little band called Green Day. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little band called Green Day. And I had no idea until uh, later on. I guess a representative must have called me for, on his behalf, and it went to Hawaii. Um, but that's what that's what broke the camel's back was basically saying, okay, we need a shop. Yeah. Uh, so basically, a year and a half, year year and a half later, we had to get a shop. So I wound up picking up the shop that I'm at now, and it's a 2,000 square foot shop in in New York. And um, now I really don't sell anymore. It's basically full on client build because right around that time, people were calling me saying, you know, I don't want to bid on your cars. Can you build me one? Sure. Um, and I never th even thought about doing that. Um, so, look, I went to school to be an artist. I wasn't a businessman in the beginning, you know. Uh, I've been learning, and we're still learning as business goes on. Um, so I, I just looked online for, you know, sample contracts and talked to all the shops of what they do. And uh, that was it. And the rest is history. Now we're over two, two-and-a-half-year wait list to build for people. So you got so, a two-and-a-half-year wait list to build cars, and you started by kind of, I mean, I would, I would think – by buying and not doing full restorations, but kind of prettying them up, getting them running good yep. and, and making them at least reliable, a decent driver for somebody and selling them. Exactly. And then was it, was there a lack of like shops to find in the area that did this kind of work? Yeah, I think on this side of the country, uh, it's, you have some, you do have some shops. Um, but most of them I think would be more of like a mechanical end of it as opposed to a full restoration end. And if you did have to, have your car restored you would have to be out you know jobbing it to different people and taking it all different places there wasn't like a one-stop shop to do everything um and most of the mechanic shops even around here now are fizzling out you know more and more people are calling me around here in the tri-state area and they can't find people to work on yeah, their air cool yeah. there are some porsche shops uh there is a, a couple other uh, foreign shops in greenwich connecticut and maybe in jersey um, but for the most part, as, a, as far as a full restoration uh, shop, um, I think we're one of the only few here. And that only works on the Beetle. Um, yeah. I know there are other shops they work on other different types of cars, too. A bus, a gear thing, you know, that sort of thing. So, so now how did dad, not, not dad, how does dad get into it with you? He started in Brooklyn. And when he was, he was a mechanic in Brooklyn, but he only worked on muscle cars. So... But, you know, he was a cop in New York City for a good 22 years, and then he retired there and had his own landscaping company. So he worked on the engines for the lawnmowers, 
So he felt like, you know what, the Beetle Motor is just one right. step up from a lawnmower. <laughs> um, and at the time, you know, they didn't understand, you know, me going on, starting in, in online internet-based business, because that's primarily what we are. Sure. Um, they didn't understand that. So I started going one after that, and he just he, he came in and said, look, let's, let's do it. And um, so I, I brought him along. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So to date, how many cars, how many cars have you guys put on the road to date? We got to be 100, 150 cars, something like that. 100, 150 cars. And, and in respect to the cars that you guys built, the majority of these sales come through your website. Like people just on the website looking for a classic VW bug. They find your website and they're like, hey, I'd like for you to build it. Because as I reviewed your website, it seems pretty thorough and pretty detailed in respect to pre-vetting your customer that goes on there that's looking to get something restored. You kind of have a, a you know, a fill-out sheet, you know, yep. wish list of what they want, what their expectations are and all this kind of stuff. Because it seems that you guys have at least done your homework to the point where you know that the majority of jobs come off the rails when there's a customer expectation and a shop's modal of business. And it's kind of like where the two of those meet, it needs to be straightened out before it gets started. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know. we used to do even driver quality restorations in the beginning yeah. when I first started. I figured out like, you could do a driver quality one and then we could do a concourse one. Um, but we got rid of that driver stuff and just said, you know what, it's it's all or nothing, yeah. body off all the time. Um, do it once, do it right. Because, um, you know, a lot of those with the, the driver quality people wanted, you know, they were on a budget. And so then you had to work with the cheaper end products. Right. It always comes back. And, and that makes that's worse when the car comes back and he's like, you know, my my bumper rusted after, you know, I had one rainstorm. I got caught in and the bumper rusted. I'm like, yeah, because this is what was in your budget. Right. We, okay. we had used bumpers in the budget because new bumpers were 700 bucks. Used bumpers were 200. And so, yeah, yeah I remember you, back in the day, JC Whitney, it was $20 for a bumper. Yeah. So which <laughs> crap. Yeah. You go off for a rainstorm. <laughs> yeah. It's going to rain, but, but a little, a little tinny. Yeah. So, but they, they would come back and then what happens when they come back, they want to change and then it's more time. It's more money, you know? So it's, you got to balance the time. Uh, factor was almost the same doing a driver than to a, a you know full rest uh, concourse resto. I mean, you, it's between the paint and reassembling everything. I mean, it's almost it's similar, but yeah, I just said you know one, all or nothing that sort of thing, and that's who we're targeting more now is uh, that kind of a clientele. So, well, uh, I think it's uh, it, it. I would assume it's got to be much more satisfactory to build something that's that's ten points all the way around versus like, hey, it looks good from here, but I mean, right. the customer's on a budget and they didn't want to do this, and, yeah. and so we didn't we didn't dial that in or we didn't do we didn't spend any time on that because that wasn't part of the budget. And then people, you know, everybody's got a different perspective when they're looking at it and they look at it and go, oh, well, you were doing this, why didn't you just do that? You know, right. so. That that's kind of the tough thing is to define who defines what a driver quality is. We all drive different levels of cars. Exactly, and that's everyone's opinion is is different. Um, and that's the funny thing about this whole scene, you know. Um, I mean, I could show somebody that to me is a driver quality looking car, and they look at it, they're like, "Oh my God, this is this is fabulous! I've never seen a bug this clean before." I mean, this is sure. this going to you know a Greenwich or something, the concourse over there, and I'm like, "Nah, it's a driver." I, I mean, it's all undercoated under the pans and. You know, so, yeah, it's, there's different opinions, but, um, yeah, um, so for the most part, that's what we do. We pretty much try to get done anywhere between, it's, it's me and my father and my uh, Ramsey, who's here part-time, 
Um, mm-hmm. And I do a lot of the internet side and marketing and bringing in the work and the YouTube channel and the social stuff. So that alone is a job in itself. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and I learned a lot of those techniques when I was a filmmaker. I had to learn my own PR. Uh, so back in the day, I was I was pretty decent with that. So, um, so we try to do anywhere between four to six a year, you know, yeah. full on off. Um, and that's we're about 12, 13 in our lineup right now. So that's pretty much where the two, two and a half years is. And so time timeline, by the time you start on a car, um, what's the timeline to get it started to finish for restoration? Well, again, depending on the car, I mean, and of course, I'm at the mercy of my painters. I do job out the paintwork, um, so I don't have it in-house. So, you know, a lot of these painters are, of course, insurance guys. Yeah, yeah and, they're looking you know, for the quick quick jobs. Exactly. Yeah. They'll do a bumper on an Escalade, and that's, uh, you know, eight, nine grand job, and they have it done in three days. Um, so I'm at their mercy. Um, but ordinarily speaking, if I get a, a real solid car, a real straight car that comes in, I can send it off to the painter. They can uh, completely strip, media blasted. They'll have it painted for me maybe about a month, month and a half. I can Mm -hmm. put the whole car back together and haul ass on that one car and probably Mm -hmm. get it done within another two months or so. Two to three months, maybe four months, And if I move it. But I'm not – it's hard to do work on one car now. Sure. I got multiple projects. So generally speaking, you try to get them done within, yeah, four to six months, something like that. So you're, you're, you're turning around a restoration four to six months from the time the job starts. I mean, if all goes well with your painter, as long as you yes. don't get, I mean, and, and sometimes customers don't understand bad weather. If you get two weeks of rain, of course. that's delaying a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Just because you got to let the paint cure, things got to shrink up, you know, yep. you got to, especially if you're in the middle of sanding a car down to metal. Now, you, what are you going to do? You get that much humidity in there. You come in in the morning, the whole car is covered in rust. Exactly. So it's like an extra factors. two hours a starting over every day, you know? Exactly. There's many, many so, factors involved, you know? I mean, you got, when you have a perfect scenario and it's dry, say, like, September weather like we have here, yeah, you can get the car done fairly quickly. I mean, you know, as the car's at the paint shop, we're working on the chassis here, so that's getting all done. The seats are getting done. Frames are getting either painted or powder-coated. Um, you know, all the stuff is getting lined out. I got all the parts, you know, sectioned off on a table from interior, exterior to doors and, and whatnot. So when the car comes back, it's literally just plugging it back together. Yeah. Um, and if you just focus on the one car, you can get it done fairly quickly, especially when you got three guys. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, we're always assembling one, stripping one. Others are coming in, rearranging cars in the shops. It's like musical chairs here. Um, so there's a lot of time. And then I'm stuck with the Internet every day, every week, trying to do at least a video or two or three to keep. Yeah, I mean, going. yeah, you got to keep that. You keep your presence going on there because it's kind of like that never ending, you know, hamster, the, the hamster wheel, you know, you just kind of get in there and you got to keep it going. Yeah. And it's a necessary uh, evil, unfortunately. I mean, well, well, and let me ask you this question because, uh, you know, I've talked to a couple other people that have businesses and, and like most VW businesses, you've kind of followed the process, right? Started as like something you're doing at home because it was a passion and you figured out, Hey, I could make a dollar doing this. So I, I'd rather do something I enjoy and then turn it into a business. And then most of your business pipes in off the internet. How have you, have you noticed a difference in regards to uh, social media, like throttling the control of your accounts by the big, the, the big people like Facebook and Instagram? Have you noticed any kind of slowdown or things that just seem odd to you? Like, hey, we were on a pace that this was happening. And, you know, because I did talk to some people and they said, you know, I talked to a guy who's got 60,000 followers on Facebook. He says, I put up a post and nobody sees it. Yeah. I get 20 likes. Yeah. It's, um, that's... Uh, 
as when it comes to social, I mean, yeah, we're at a point now where it's you're in a um, a casino and you're pulling the the lever and that thing just rotates and rotates and rotates. And I tell a lot of other entrepreneurs that do contact me, just not even general, not even about cars, but they want to start their own mm-hmm. internet based business. Um, I focus heavily on YouTube and Google, the Google ranking still, because um, Facebook, Twitter, and those other uh, social sites, everybody and his brother is on there. Yeah. And it's a lot easier for you to post on a Facebook or a social site because you're behind the camera. It's easy to just post. You don't have to speak. You don't have to get in front of the camera, that sort of thing. And you, you kind of let it go and you hope for the best. But that stuff gets lost in the bowels of Internet black hole after a day or so. It's sure. gone. And in a Google search, those posts don't really show up. What shows up still on a Google search is YouTube. Google's, yeah. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. Why? Because it's owned by Google. Mm-hmm. So... I tell a lot of entrepreneurs, like, if you want to be relevant in the game, you need to get, unfortunately, you know, if you need to get a camera, you need to be good in front of the camera, you need good shooting skills, lighting skills, miking skills, editing skills to start separating yourself from the crowd. Because I do know a lot of guys that are on there and they're posting a lot of great work on Facebook and stuff. That's why I hired a girl to do that stuff for me now. Uh, I used to do it. I used to jump on there and then I started seeing that, which is the weaker link? You know, that's why I even I even ditched my newsletter. I used to do a newsletter every Friday. I was writing that up as well, as long as doing the other social and the YouTube. And and it was just getting to the point where, OK, I'm, I'm uploading to five different platforms here. One of them's got to go because uh, you start getting scattered. It's 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 overkill sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think. I try to tell people if you can go to YouTube, whether you can do it on camera or you can do it as a voiceover with something with pictures, start doing something like that. Because I think YouTube gets ranked better and is comes up in Google searches. And a lot of people that are coming to me to have a car restored are not going to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Right. That's very youthful platforms. So some of the older people that are coming here that want these things restored because of nostalgia and because of their history, they're doing a Google search. And the, my Google video, my videos on YouTube are coming up on the Google search first page. Sure. So and, that, and so, to, to, so talking about that, your demographic then is mostly like people, I would assume, around my age in their mid to upper 40s. And, and later. You know, and later in their 50s and 60s because a lot of people are either restoring their their mom's car, their grandpa's car, right. or, you know, something that they wanted. Like with me when I was a teenager growing up, all the you know, cool custom bugs that were running around over yep. on the West coast. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, some of us have been in the game for a while. I mean, I've been, I've been in the scene now for about 30 years yeah. and, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch that demographic and, and now with that demographic pushing into an age where they've got the discretionary income to restore these cars, it's a yeah. huge market, but you're in, you're at this impasse where you, good luck finding, you could hire six people if you could find six good people right now. It's hard. It is. You know, I had I actually had a young kid that worked for me, came right out of college, came out of a a trade school, too. And his resume was impressive. And I thought he had some decent skills. But, you know, we're getting older. I'm 42. And, you know, uh, there is somewhat nothing bad. I mean, it's a generational thing, maybe. But, uh, you know, it's. He was here working, man. I mean, it was more texting going on than there was working. Uh, That's it. It's a it's it. 
what I think what the youth fail to realize is, is it's a debilitating aspect in how they produce themselves every day yeah. from having to be on their phone and having to be texting and having to be connected all the time. You can't, with the way they sub-segment their, their thought process, they can't sit and assemble a door in right. an hour or two. No, they're distracted or, constantly. You know, because they're always going to their phone. I mean, I, I've seen it. I, I think anybody that's, that's that goes to do business today, whether they're going into Starbucks or walking into a, a, a Jiffy oil lube, you're looking at the guy and the first thing he's got is his phone in his hand and yeah. he's texting and, you know, it's, it, it, Dude, it's going to be interesting. My bathroom was the internet cafe. So two, three 20 minute periods in that bathroom and he's not coming out and I'm like, all right, you know, that's the, you know, you're talking over an hour now you're in there. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, right. it's, it's stuff like that. I mean, it, it's, I mean, nothing against them. I mean, it's no fault of their own, I guess. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's just the way they were raised. They didn't have dads like we did that yelled at us, made yeah. us do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's what, you know, and sometimes you need the hard truth. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know. And they want to be CFO in six months. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, have I made an impact? I think I deserve a raise on it. You've been here six months. Right. You know, I mean, what, what, have you, what have you done for me? You know, show me, but, oh, yeah. agita, but, but grief, you know, uh, so... Uh, it was a relief that, you know, see you later. <laughs> it gets to be um, stressed because y you think it's good to bring on another set of hands to help yeah. put the process out. But the problem then is like, you don't want to be somebody's mom at work and you can already tell from their behavior that they're there. Like this work thing is because they have to, not because they want to. And, yeah. you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it, 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 the struggle that most businesses have today is like, where do we find that pipeline of people that that want to work, that want to be creative, that want to contribute to the, the greater good of building something or being part of something that's yeah. great. You know, that, that's been, it's been lost with the Kardashian, the Kardashian, <laughs> Kardashianization of the youth where everyone thinks in five minutes they're going to be discovered and yeah. people really care about what they had for lunch and people really <laughs> care about these things that mean nothing, yeah. you know, and it's like here you could be part of a shop where you're building a project, building someone's dream and you were part of that process. Yeah. And you were creating in the world. And it's funny because some people don't realize that all these shops, all these restoration shops that do things, they're actually creating things, creating, um, you know, creating people's dreams, delivering things. And, and, and there's something tangible when they're done with that day of work. Yep. You and know, and that's you're resurrecting something that's say 60 years old. Oh, yeah. That alone is that you should have, I have tremendous pride just doing that. You know, when I show somebody a, a complete rot box that's coming in from, say, we just got a 55 in that came in, a ragtop threefold uh, from Virginia Oof. and family owned. And, you know, the, the great thing about this business is the fact that I hardly have to find these cars anymore. The people, the families are calling me and saying, oh, hey, I awesome. see your YouTube videos. I love what you do. I just want my, my car to go to a good home. That alone is very touching to me because I'm putting the pride into the work. And if, if some of these younger kids can start thinking along those lines, you know, you got to put out like in the beginning, I pumped out a ton of free videos and I still do. I still do a ton of free stuff. And I was getting hacked in the, in the beginning with people telling me, Hey, you know, why are you giving away the secrets? Why are you putting out these free videos for nothing? And I'm like, because eventually it's going to come back. Yeah. And I thought that even back then, you know, when I didn't even think my business would get to the point where it is now. And uh, 
So that, that's worked, and that's where I get these cars that come to me, which I'd never find them online or in a classified section. Oh, absolutely. You know, they just call me and say, hey, look, this was my mother's car. They were the second owners of this since 66. The father died last year. Mom's got dementia now, so they need the medical help and, uh, and the, the cost to, to pay for that. So, you know, things like that are touching, and that's the kind of thing where I look back and say, man, that's, you know, we're doing something right, you sure. know? I mean, you yeah. So now, so now you're so now your online presence has given you the ability to people now find you to sell you their car, and then you get a good opportunity where you can match up buyers and cars. Sure. Yeah. So like I'll even have a car in in um, say like inventory. So say this fifty five. I mean I I purchased it myself, but if someone wants to sign on to that as a build, they they can do that. What's your biggest re- What's the biggest request? What years cars are you getting the biggest requests for? I mean, us as VW enthusiasts, we get jaded by the scene and we're looking for the, the, the rarest, oldest, whatever. But I don't think that's what the majority of the people are looking for. Not anymore. I think, you know, there was a time. I mean, you still get those people. Like, the, of course, like the 50s cars are very... Yeah, yeah. a few of them. But what, yeah. But, what are most people, are, are they bringing you a 71? Are they bringing you, you know, 73s or 68s? Are you, are you, you know... What do you see in a majority of mid '60s cars, mid '60s yeah, and up? Most of I would say '67 and earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, occasionally we'll have a like we got a '57 in a '56. We're doing for a client, um, but most are I would say late '50s to up to '67 are most. Um, we did do a '74 Super Beetle for a woman a few years ago. That was they bought that car brand new. So they've had that car in the family since new. So you get those sentimental projects, mm-hmm. you know. And I kind of brief these people to say, "Hey, look, you know, you know what you're gonna <laughs> what you're gonna spend on the resto far outweighs what the car is worth." Right. Um, so just so you understand that, um, and most of them are understandable. They just want the car because it's nostalgic. It's, it's a family remembrance. Um, but yeah. yeah, I would say '67 and earlier. And earlier yeah. You know. Do you are you in the driver's seat for the restoration? And, and most of the time, people say, "I want it all original," and then you do numbers matching original, or is it kind of fifty-fifty where you'll do custom what they want? What are people from out of your shop? What are you producing mostly? Like original stock restorations? Yeah, yeah, stock, stock as far as stock motor, stock height, stance, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Color, um, scheme. color schemes, we might deviate a little bit. And say, uh, upgrade the paint a bit, upgrade the interior a little bit nicer. Um, I use SoFine a lot for my interiors. Yeah. So she's mostly a custom uh, place. Um, so, but we did a 65 C blue with the classic, you know, uh, TMI interior for a fellow last year. Um, uh, but we have a 61 convertible that's here, and the guy's saying, you know what, I love Bordeaux red, which was more of a or 50s color. Um, and he wants the tweed, you know, beige seats on it with brown piping or something. Yeah. You know, so we'll do things like that, but as far as custom. So we'll do both, but we, we're not primarily known as lowering or doing dual carbs, things like that. Well, and my question is, what's the demand from the customers? Mostly stock restorations? Yeah, pretty much. pretty much. Yeah. What has been the what's been the toughest thing for you guys to source good quality of as far as being in your restoration shop? What's the what's the hardest thing to get a good quality blank? Uh, I would have to say seals, some chrome. I mean, I get stuff from 
sources here. I won't name the names, but you know, they say it's German, and you get it in, and it's got a Taiwan sticker on it. That's German and, by way of Taiwan. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, one of those flash rust things, the guard car. I mean, so and, and what's funny is, is that I'll buy the part this year, and then next year I'll buy the same exact part, and it's different. Yeah. And it's different quality. So, you know, I get from my guys out west, um, probably maybe where you, where, you are, where you are. But, yeah, I would say for the most part, um, <sighs> seals, seals are getting hard. You yeah. feel the plastic in them. Yeah. It's just yeah, not they're... a good, you know, you gotta, we got to bake them outside to get them soft. Window seals are, are, are getting hard. Um, yeah, I've got on my square back. My square back's got some. The aftermarket stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah, my my square back has some stock uh, stock style taillight seals that are two and a half years old and they're cracked already. Cracked already, yep. Yeah. And it's like the the original VW seal would go forty years without sure. cracking until you touch it. Well, we got a we got a sixty two behind us that we did for a girl, um, and she has to sell it. It's a turquoise car, and um, we found this car in California. It was already painted, had a great paint job on it. So we bought the painted shell, brought it here. She signed on to it, and we put the car together for her. And she's had it for two years. She came down with an illness. Unfortunately, she got cancer. Um, so she has to sell the car now. Mm. So she called me back up to help her sell it. And now, bear in mind, she lives up in Boston and lives on a beach. So the oxidation. Salt air. Oh, my God. The oxidation is. it's In two years? In two years. Two years. Seals are all cracked. Yeah, you know, got to replace the seals. Got to replace um, brand new headlight buckets. We bought and the chrome is all pitted. It's shot. Yeah, it's just even and the that's un- all. F- that's all from the f- from the morning dew on the ocean air, the heavy moisture in the air, the salt water sitting on things. Yeah. But yeah. what's interesting is the rubber. You wouldn't think the rubber would be affected by it, but the, the chemical compound in rubber has to be so different today than it was. I think so, yeah. You know, back, I mean, who knows? Maybe people were dying of cancer from from manufacturing the rubber right. back in the day. Right. Right. Who right. knows? But us as the lay people, you would think technology would be the point where they would make a piece of rubber that would be better than you they made you back in think. 1965. Yeah. You know, and even even some of the headliners that we get like this this Acme, I mean, I think supplies a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, part suppliers out there and um, I do get it every now and then from SoFine and over the years that stuff has gotten even thinner and you the start putting it fabric? in that's, yes and when you start tightening and, you, and you're tucking it into the pillars and everything's getting tight you start to see it separate and you're starting to see the cross hash lines coming out and it's just it's coming apart um, so and that's why she doesn't even like to sell that stuff but many of the suppliers sell that same product and yeah. it's just absolute crap. It's crap. I mean, e- even I'm not even crazy about the vinyl headliners that are being sold today because they feel plastic as well. Yeah. The compounds in them. I mean, when I, I've taken out original headliners before, and you when you, you can feel the original is still better than the brand new one. You're almost tempted to try to reuse the original. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. You know, so yeah, we are at the. Mer- I say that in my videos a lot. We're at the mercy of these uh, aftermarket parts, unfortunately. Um, I mean, thankfully, the other positive side is that most people are using these as show cars or leisure mm-hmm. cars. They're not, they're not going to be out in the elements. They're so, not going to put 100,000 miles on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so she was, she said she had it garaged up there, but I think the air got to it. And yeah. uh, it's just a shame, you know. So, 
So I got so I got a question for Dad because as as I'm sitting here thinking, and Dad used to be a muscle car guy. Has Dad had the experience of getting a ride in a fast Volkswagen, like a nice fast street car? <laughs> well, slightly fast. We have uh, a '70 convertible with a slightly uh, <laughs> larger. Uh, it's a '1641 or something yeah, like big that. Board. Yeah, it's just with the big board kit, and um, just that little kick makes the car so much more fun to ride in. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I, I was relegated to driving one of the cars we had. It was a 51, right? Oh, had 25 grief. horsepower, you no, know, thanks. and I would take those to shows, you know, meanwhile, now we're on the open highway and I'm driving in this car, you know, I could get it to 60, but you know, now I'm coming up against a slight incline in the road and you yeah. know, it goes from 60 to 35. So I'm stuck between third and fourth. You know, thirds wound out, but fourth is, you know, I got to go up and down, up and down, up and down. So I took my life in my hands, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I enjoy driving it because, you know, it's like it was almost as old as I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, I've, you know, I've got a 51 split. And, what, and the first thing I did is I drove it with a stock motor for about two weeks. I, and once it was firing on three cylinders, I was down from, you know, thir- yeah. from 25 horsepower to, <laughs> oh. you know. Yeah, <laughs> to 18, 17 and a half horsepower. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this, man. Like it was just, it was just, uh, it, but you know, driving a nice powerful bug, I would look, you got to get senior in a nice hot rotted bug. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'll never go back to a Chevy. You never go back to a street, a, a muscle car because it, it's that, it's that underdog feeling because Everybody thinks that Volkswagen drives like that 50, 50 split window, but right. you know when you get a nice modded motor in there, it's a, yeah. it's a big difference. So I was very, very pleased with the the performance of that motor. You know, you could really yeah. pull that car pulling third gear. You say, "Oh man, this is nice." You know, and yeah. I mean, it's not major. You know, it's just a slight up pop, you know, up kick to it, and well worth it. You know, so well, we got a client now that's um, great great friend of ours we made and he, he's bought a few bucks from us and i built one for him as well and now he's coming around to me again and he's like you know because he goes on these cruises with these porsche guys with his beetle and and his mm-hmm. notch and he's like look you gotta make me something i want something a little lower in the front bigger tires in the back a bigger motor i want disc brakes all around and and he knows we don't normally do that sort of thing but you know for him i'm willing to do it for him you know and yeah. i I, I definitely we did a 66 recently that had the front disc brakes on it. And I absolutely love that. And I almost feel like saying, you know what, for now on, that's it, man. I mean, do it because it just it feels no so much better. You know, it really does. Um, so, you know, but we're again, we're looked at as being the stock guys, you know, not really doing the performance stuff. But, you know, I don't mind uh, dipping into some of that. You know, mm. I'm not looking to, you know, slam them hard and narrow the beam or anything or have the back tires on an angle or anything like that. But um you know maybe we uh we start playing with different motors and stuff and but like you say you know once you get bit <laughs> yeah that's right. it. it's ge- it's hard game to over that's it so now i saw in the little news blurb they did with you guys that you guys do you guys do an event do you guys do an event out there every year a big cruise or a drive or something like that what yeah. tell me about that for almost 10 years now i've been doing a full foliage cruise so the fall here in New York is probably one of the nicer times in this area where you have great weather. And the, the trees are beautiful, the colors, and we have nice mountains here. And um, there's a nice drive, you know, just north of the city. So from my shop, uh, we do basically a 60-mile tour 
up and down the Hudson Valley. We go over the Bear Mountain Bridge, um, and we do some great sightseeing. We stop, you know, uh, you know, a few times for people to take a break. And it's gotten such a great following. I get people that fly in from different states now to be part of it. I've nice. had people come down from Canada uh, to be a part of it as well. Um, so that has generated a, a really great following. Um, so much so, I think, yeah, we had a good news piece on that just recently. And when do you guys do that? Is, it, is, that, is that coming up this year? Yeah, October 19th is our, our cruise. It's a Saturday, and rain date is the following day. And then oh, I so post- if Saturday gets rained out, you just move it to the next day? Yep, yeah, that's what we did last year, yep. So you just have to kind of plan for that, huh? Yeah, because the problem is, is that um, you know, we're at the mercy of the Army football games. So oh, really? We, we pass through that area near West Point. So when they have uh, football games, we cannot really go up that way because the traffic mm. is unbearable. Yeah, traffic's off the it's hook. off the hook. So we have to uh, I have to work my way around that. So I see their schedule ahead of time and I make uh, our cruise uh, in the middle of it. So um, we do that. And then I also started the third year. I'm doing the New York vintage Treffen. So I have that show as well. And who, who puts that on? So my neighbor actually puts on a car show every year called the Neighborhood Cruisers. It's cruising for kids. It goes to a good cause. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to, uh, to join his cause. And I said, you know, how about if I make my own separate show in conjunction with your show? But it's on a great piece of property, great area. It's a beautiful spot. And he's like, look, I got the food. I got the music. I got the land. I got the insurance. I got it all. Just make your own section, do your own show. So that's what we've been doing lately. Oh, nice. The past few years. And uh, it's got a good following. We do great trophies. Um, you know, I don't pass out like 20, 25, 30 trophies. It's first, second, third, and, and you know, viewer's choice. Um, and it's the best of the best. We look at the craftsmanship of the cars, not necessarily correctness. Yeah, so, look at the, quali- the build quality is what you mostly go off of. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've even selected, you know, custom cars that are, very well put together you know i mean you see a lot of custom that sometimes can be you know they look like backyard jobs but you know you see some that are very high quality and uh so it doesn't have to be bone stock all original sort of things you know so that goes on at your at your show there at your like at your property no that goes on at uh oh actually we do it at a place called bowline in haverstraw new york it's one bowline plant road in haverstraw all this stuff's on my website, too. People could just do a quick search for it on uh, classicvwbugs.com. Sure. Um, and that's on the September 29th is that one. Oh, very cool. So that's more of a concourse where you look where you guys are. Are you guys calling it a concourse show? No, is that what you're calling no it? not a concourse show. Just, you know, everyone is welcome to show. Um, but, again, you know, our trophies are going to ba- be based on the craftsmanship of, of the Build quality. Yeah. Sure. Yep. No, that's awesome. So – when you guys are, um, were, so you guys are pretty proficient in doing metal work, I would assume, since being out there in the East Coast, there's a lot of metal work that needs to happen to these cars. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I've grabbed some cars here that are actually really solid. Like the car from Virginia came back really solid. Um, and we've grabbed a few from uh, Pennsylvania that came back really solid, too. Uh, whether they may have had life in some other state, I, I don't know. Most of the time they tell me uh, it's been around in that state. So. Um, but yeah, we do some metal work in shop. Um, but if it's extreme metal that has to be done to the shell, uh, my body shops are doing those. 
Uh, oh, so you'll supply the parts and they'll section the whole thing in because that's a yeah. I mean that's that's a whole other nightmare. I mean metalwork is just a it's a, yeah. it's a big mess, you yeah. know. Yep, and the and the fabrication of some like the metal, like say the clock or home stuff that you get on some of the sites, which is very common, always has to be fabricated to fit correctly. So I've been getting most of my stuff either from Wolf Parts um, or um, RestorationPanels.com, and that stuff yeah. is really nice. Uh, classic Fab too for the heater channels and the floors uh, because they just fit. Right. The time is cut down to a fraction compared to using, you know, the stuff that's, uh, you know, in some of the, the, the regular shops here. Yeah, which is maybe a big point to bring up to customers that maybe want to supply their own stuff. You know, everybody thinks they're going to save a buck here or there. Like, oh, I found these panels super expensive or this cheap or yeah. that cheap. And sometimes that, you know, the, the, it doesn't pay. No, it doesn't. I, I, no. I've learned that that time is money and it's always better to go with the better part because it just you're cutting your time down. Uh, you might think you're saving on the front, but in the in the back end, it's it's too much hassle, you know. So, but uh, we do the metal work for chassis here. We'll do floor pans in the shop. So because I give my painters the shell and I take the chassis back. So we'll. So do- you'll build you build the chassis complete there at your yes. at your shop. Yep. Okay. Yep. You guys do the engines in house too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we either we'll do them here, or if we are backlogged, I do have some guys in Cali that have been doing some motors for us. And mostly you just do like stock motors with a little bit of performance upgrades just to make them a little more drivable today? or Yeah, bone, pretty bone much. Stock? So if, yeah. if the customer wants the stock 40-horse motor in it, we'll go with the 1385 big bore to update yeah. it a bit or go with a 1641 for you know something 1300 and later uh, sure. just to give it some more some more power. You know, Man, I mean, I think you guys are doing – like I said, I've, I've seen a lot of your presence on uh, – on YouTube, and uh, as I started coming across your videos, I just started watching them. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I like what you guys are putting out there, man. And I, I really enjoy seeing that stuff coming out of the East Coast because that's where a lot of those cars really are rotten in the ground. And we get we're kind of spoiled out here. Where we get some really cherry cars. Well, you, but, YouTube uh, is you know, like I say, uh, one last thing on YouTube. It's it's so powerful yeah. that it's it's given me the global following. Yeah. You know, so I get calls from Australia, the Netherlands. I have people that visit. From different parts of the world i had a guy knock on my door he's, he's a follower from singapore and knocking oh, on my door awesome. to come in had you know if it wasn't for my youtube channel i wouldn't have had seinfeld walk into the door you know oh, really so, yeah I, I did a 56 oval for him oh really and, seinfeld comes bebopping up into your place huh that, <clears throat> yeah he called me and I, I had no idea he was calling and i'm in my car of course i got bluetooth on and i hear this guy call me and i'm like hey chris this is jerry seinfeld i i got a 56 oval i picked up from you know, on sight unseen, upstate in Maine, I think he bought it. And yeah. we're in the car, and I'm like, no, this ain't, no, come on. You know, so we keep hearing his vernacular, and we're driving, and my dad's like, just pull over, because we're heading into a dead spot right now. This is really him. So right. we pulled over, and sure enough, it was him. Really? And he saw, and of course, he saw my YouTube videos. Yeah. He said, you know, I, I got a car, I want to ship it to you, and I need some work done. So. Wow. And then for him to walk into the shop, I mean, to be a fan of someone, and then he contacts you, uh, yeah. you know, it was pretty cool. I mean, that was well, a pretty I, nice highlight, of, you know. And he's a car guy, too, which is even more Big cool. Time. Yeah. 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 So uh, that, that, that's got to be pretty That's gonna be pretty flattering to get him to come out and seek you to do some restoration. How long ago was that car that you did for him? Uh, I think it was about three years ago he came here. Yeah, yeah, he started get he started getting into Volkswagens a few years ago. He had a big Porsche collection, yeah, and right. now he's starting to go – a little bit more into the VW side. At least, at least that's what I'm seeing out there is stuff that he's doing. So, 
Well, that's that's pretty cool. Any any other uh, celebrities or people that we might know of that you've done cars for? So you've sold one to to Billy Joe Armstrong from uh, Green Day, and then you did a car for Seinfeld. That's about. I think that's it. That's what we touched pretty much for that. <laughs> you well, know, that's good. Look, the media spots too. You know, we had some. You know, Don Daler came here from CBS. Um, then we had uh, Fox News was here and USA Today. So we've we've had some good stuff. You know, it's it's all. You know? Yeah, you guys have you guys have had some great coverage. There's some great coverage. So just for anybody that that wants to know, classic VW bugs. You guys are in what part of New York again? Rockland County, New York. Congers, Congers, New York. Yeah. So I mean, anybody on the East Coast looking for a stock restoration, this seems like the place to go to. I mean, they've been they've been in the game as a business twelve years, but been in the hobby for twenty. And you guys genuinely have a passion for what you do, which is it's got to make it nice to come to work, right? If this is what you love doing. Dave, playing with toys, man. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's, it's got to be more rewarding than working on a film production for a year and then nobody wants to look at it. For sure. And I, you know, how hard it took to take, you know, to get noticed in film. And then, I mean, you know, another angle of it, you know, working on these and, you know, just combining the two talents. That's all. And, uh, you know, and, and internet-based businesses, it's great. Look, I can, I have my own hours. I come here when I'd like. If I need to take off a day, I can. It's not an off-the-street business. I'm not a Jiffy Lube where I got to be here. You yeah. Know? Um, so there's times where we just say, you know what? All right, we'll take off a couple of days, or I'll go away, and we have that flexibility. But I'm right back here though because I got the lineup. So it's, it's yeah, yeah. And uh, anybody in the Northeast that might be listening to the podcast. Um, that might be looking to, to maybe go into Volkswagen restoration for work and wants to work for a shop like yours. You guys are always, you're, I would assume you're always hiring, right? You're always looking for a good hand of somebody that's focused and wants to work and knows what they're doing or willing to learn at least. Yep. And, and I got to have a craft. You got to have a good eye. You know, again, we're, we're the finite detail we, we look at here. Um, so yeah, we can use some grunt help, of course, but if there's someone with a good, keen, detailed eye, that would be great too. Uh, uh, another question. So if, if I'm on the East coast, besides the fall cruise that you do, and then, um, the vintage Treffin that, that goes on over there, what, what are some of the other big shows that, that they can catch you at if they're not at those two shows? What are the shows do you go to out there on the, in the Northeast? So they've been kind of dwindling around here. I mean, they have picked back up the, um, the Litchfield show in in Connecticut, Litchfield, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. They used to be yeah. the plug in, and then there used to be two shows. There used to be the Terryville show and the Litchfield show. Now they just got it down to the Litchfield show. Uh, so I I haven't been to that one in, in quite a while. But uh, the one I usually go to that's big that comes around in September is the All Air Cooled Gathering in Flanders, New Jersey. Flanders, New Jersey, huh? And it's yeah. all when when they say all air cooled, there's everything air cooled there. All air-cooled gathering, yeah. So that you you might see some Izettas there. You might see some Corvairs there. It's anything mm-hmm. air-cooled. Um, and uh, I've been going to that show for about 10 years. It's one of the nicest locations you can go to to have a show. Um, very pleasant weather, of course. And, uh, you know, the gang down there is good. You know, they know how to put on a, a good show. So check that out. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast and getting to kind of talk to you guys about what you do. Is there anything you guys want to leave us with before – we part ways. I mean, obviously, everybody knows that to get to get to you through classic classicvwbugs.com or yep. classicbugs. Classicvwbugs.com. Okay. And that's the same with social. So if anybody wants to hit me up on social um, or the YouTube channel, you know, you just do a quick search for classic VW bugs or my name, Chris Valone, and uh, that stuff will pop up. Um, I can't answer everybody's question. I get three <laughs> to four hours of questions thrown at me every day. 
and believe it's it. hard to get uh, to answer. So the best place to hit me is either through my email or through YouTube. Um, I, I, I do go on social every now and then, guys, but um, it's uh, I do have somebody that does that side for the of the business for me. Um, so a direct contact will either be my email or um, my website or YouTube. So email website's the best place to get a hold of you. What do you see? How, how do you see from, from your perspective what you see in the, in the past couple of years? How do you see the future of what you're doing out there? Do you see it going, staying strong? I mean, you're getting busier every year or what yeah, do you got we, happening? Yeah, we have been getting busier every year. And a lot of times I, I keep saying to myself, man, how are we going to do this? But um, we do it. And you know, each year we keep getting busier. Um, you know, there was a recent article that I saw. I don't know if Haggerty put it out. That they're saying the youth is actually very much interested in the old Beatle. Oh, uh, really? And I was surprised to hear that because, you know, everyone says, hey, it's only going to get to a certain point. And the baby boomers or the generation through the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s for whatnot are going to, they wean off and, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, what kind of work you're going to have. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's still got a good, the bug has always been on a nice, incline you know yeah, so. I, th- I haven't really seen the big roller coaster effects like some cars have i'd see the bug constantly you know steadily going up um you know but it, from it, your perspective you don't see it slowing down on your end anytime soon i could be wrong not yet i don't i don't see it um it's still steadily growing and um more people want them right i mean the phone keeps ringing so <laughs> yeah <laughs> It just You're keeps doing something ringing. right. Yeah. When you think it's down and out, it, no, it just keeps ringing. So, I think because it's an international car. Yeah. You know, that was, um, that's the thing about the car. I mean, it's not, you know, when you go to car shows and you see a lot of muscle cars and stuff, you know, it's, it's the American muscle and target American audience. You know, you do have Europeans that want some of the muscle cars, but the Beetle was just international from South America to Europe, all over the place. So I think it'll always have a spot in somebody's heart. And if Volkswagen does come out with a new Beetle, which I think they will, electric, everyone's always going to look back yeah. to the Beetle. Yeah. I, you know. We talked about that on the previous podcast that I just don't think the, I don't think the, uh, when they came out with the new Beetle first time, it just didn't strike a chord with the classic Beetle guys. Right. You know what I mean? It, it just didn't, it just didn't cross over. Like I'm envious of the Mopar guys that they get to relive their 70s Mopar heritage in 2019 with these demons and right, these right. Hellcats yeah. and these cars are just well, monsters, 700 horsepower. Seven, 800 horsepower. Yeah. Unbelievable. With air conditioning and cruise control and power <laughs> windows. <laughs> so I think it'll be a long time before we see that, but we see it. You know, I do see a lot of technology taking, you know, taking an uptick. You've got EV West on the, uh, on the West Coast out here. They're doing the electric conversions and you got a lot of people doing Subaru conversions now. So, I still think the platform itself is really, uh, you know, it's it's malleable, and a lot of different people can do what they can with it. But it, but it's also something that strikes a chord with people, and uh, it, it's crazy as German as that car is, it's as American as it gets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Part of the revolution, man. I mean, that's that's what it was, and you know, we got a lot of stuff going on today. For, of course, fifty years of since Woodstock, so yeah. shows that are doing, you know, total dedicated section to the Volkswagen because of Woodstock. So yeah. I've been getting calls on that to come to shows and bring as many BWs as I can. Um, I, I hope so. I really do. I mean, we see some things dwindling out. Like I said, some shows are dying out here on this side. California still seems to be pretty hot. I mean, you would know better than I. That's good. It's monster. The Prado this year, which is kind of the big show that everybody's going to. I mean, it's just it's gigantic. You know, we get to that show and there's 
a couple thousand cars there and it's just it's a three-day weekend and it's and it's nuts but if you've ever gone if you've never been to a show in england um you go to some of those shows the volks world super show yeah it's a monster i mean you go there and you're just like wow you know they've got a different style and different flavor than we have over there but i tell you right now the 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 scene is going strong and i attribute that mostly to people in our generation like the gen xers and stuff that are really getting into the scene and and we're the we're we're kind of the people that are pushing that scene forward because it's our hobby that we've turned that people have turned into businesses and have turned into opportunities and the and the nostalgia just resonates with with that demographic so um I love it. You know, I've got two. I've got a Type One, Two, Three. I got every type of Volkswagen there is, pretty much, and it's right. it's a, it's a problem, you know. But it's <laughs> it's a good problem to have. So, well, man, I I appreciate you guys sitting down with us on the podcast, man. You guys keep doing great things over there in New York, and uh, um, man, you know, I'm sure if you guys have anything new and cool coming up, man, make sure you hit us up. We'll get you on the podcast and we'll talk about it. We'll we'll chat about new good things that you guys are doing, and hopefully one day next time I'm out on the East Coast, I'll come by and visit you guys, man. Sounds great. Doors always open. Hey, man, thanks thanks for chatting with us today on the podcast. And uh, don't forget to go check him out at ClassicVWBugs.com and uh, check out his YouTube channel as well. He's got tons of cool informational videos on there, man. And so uh, Chris Chris and Chris over there won't won't steer you wrong, man. All right. Appreciate it, man. It's been great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So so that was a pretty good podcast. We heard a lot about the guys from Classic VW Bugs, Chris Chris Jr., Chris Sr. So I appreciate them for coming on the podcast. Also, Big news. So everybody's heard about this new VW bus that's coming out. Completely built bus that's coming out. Well, guess what? That's right. Your boy, Bill T. I got Chris Baker on the phone. He's the guy responsible for bringing that new bus to the market. So you can, if you've got a rotted bus that's all rotted to death, or if you always wanted that 21 or 23 window, that was your dream. I ask all the questions you guys want to know. We find out all about the process that these things are being made. They're assembled right here in the US of A. Chris has got, after you listen to the podcast, you realize he's got a ton of experience. Also, later this week, uh, I'm interviewing, sitting down with my man Alex with Flatform Media, one of the dopest photographers out there. And we're going to talk about photo shoots, some of his history, because he's from way back, cars he built in the 80s. And we'll be talking about that early LA scene, what was happening back then, what he's doing now, what he's up to, who he shoots for, because he shoots for a bunch of different magazines. So we've got lots of cool stuff coming to the podcast. I've also got, there's a new book that's hit the scene about restoring Volkswagens. We'll have the author of that book, Eric Spook LeClaire, who's out of Alabama, runs a company called Air Cooled Customs, wrote a new book on restoring Volkswagen. So we'll have him on the podcast as well. Got a lot of good podcasts to look forward to, and I got a lot more guests stacked up. So hope you guys are appreciating. Show your appreciation by going to the website, letstalkdubs.com. Go to the store, buy some merch, support the podcast. And once again, guys, I'm Bill T, and I'm out.